Let's look at our text in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning at verse 23. The Apostle Paul writes, For I received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. You know, it's a human trait to not want to be forgotten. You'd like to think that what you've done, you've made your mark on the world, you have impacted some kind of people. Um, I keep a book of remembrance, of notes that people have written over the years that were especially meaningful to me. Maybe they commented about something that I had done. And why do you do that? Because you want to make sure that your life has meaning, that what you did mattered. But is that the reason why Jesus said this? Did Jesus say, do these things and do this remembering me, do this in remembrance of me? It's said that during the Civil War, during the lull in some of the fiercest battles, many of the soldiers were seen hastily sewing their names on their uniforms. They expected to die but they hated the thought of being put in a nameless grave. They wanted to be remembered. So was Jesus concerned about himself, for himself, that he would be forgotten? Why did our Lord initiate and command that we would celebrate the Lord's Supper? I guess we ought to be asking ourselves, why do believers forget Jesus Christ and his mission? Often, as I have over the years visited with elderly folk whose memories are beginning to slip. Maybe you've had a family member that's been like that. I had a grandfather that had Alzheimer's. And it was, it was harder some days to go in and Grandpa didn't know me. And there would be these flickers of a moment where all of a sudden he would have this blank look and all of a sudden he would look and he'd call me by name. But I have found this with people that know the Lord as their Savior. Often when I will quote scripture or when I will begin praying, the lights come on. They remember they don't remember a lot of things, but what they do remember is they remember the Lord Jesus Christ. So forget Jesus? How can that be? It's possible that in, in each of our lives, different points of our life, we have allowed the cares of life, maybe the pleasures of the world, or maybe the deceitfulness of sin to distract us to where Jesus Christ is out of our view. So what are some of 
the reminders that he's wanting us to do with communion. If it's not for his sake, but it was for ours. Stop and think for a moment. What are some things that the Lord would want us to remember as we partake of the Lord's Supper? Do you have anything you'd like to just say, you know, here's something that comes to my mind. We ought to be remembering this. Him dying on the cross for us. His body and his blood. That his body was broken and shed for us. Yes. His resurrection. Yes. That he's coming again. That he's coming again. What else? That he's alive. That he died. Anything else you can think of? Did he pay our debt? You've given a lot of really good things, some of which are ones that I wanted us to focus on tonight. And so let me just draw your attention to a couple of these before we go to prayer. First of all, I want us to remember that we enjoy what we enjoy because of the love of the Father. I want us to remember that we had been damaged by the awfulness of sin. And I want us to remember that we are free from the, from the entire punishment because everything was paid. So let's back up. Let's look at a couple of these. First of all, he says, this do remembering my love. And I want us to go back to the text we looked at on Sunday morning in Isaiah chapter 53. And I want us to look at verse 10. Isaiah 53 verse 10. And there we read, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. The question that I want us to just ponder for just a moment is, why did it please the Father to bruise Jesus Christ? I think in this, what we really need to see is not that God is a mean, vengeful God. What I want you to see is that God is a loving God. Why did God do what he did? He did what he did because it was the only way that our sins could be forgiven. Sin is awful. You see, God's plan from the very beginning was that he would redeem us. And what I want us to focus on, as we think about the Lord's Supper, I don't want you to walk into the Lord's Supper terrified. I want you to walk into the Lord's Supper remembering how much God loved you. 
Could I just remind you of the very simple verse that most people, even unsaved people, know the reference to, John 3, 16. What does that tell us? God so loved the world, God so loved you, that he gave his only begotten son. Why did it please the father to bruise the son? So that he could redeem you and me. That was the whole point. So often, we're missing the joy of what God has for us. The joy is, God says, I want you to know how much I love you. And Jesus said, this do remembering what I'm, my death, my shed, my shed blood, my broken body. Why is that important? Because when we see that, it ought to remind us of the love of the Father. That God loves us. We can get in this world and Satan lies to us and Satan makes us think God doesn't care. God is not interested in what you're going through. In fact, God is mean and God is trying to somehow make you pay and that God is vengeful. And the reality is sin is awful. The fact that God is holy is not a bad thing. It's a great thing. It's sin that creates sadness. Holiness is a wonderful thing. He said, this do remembering me when you, when you eat of this bread and you drink of this juice. Remember that God loves you. Remember the awfulness and the deceitfulness of sin. That's really important. When we get together, it is not to try to twist yourself inside out and say, have I done something? If I, do, if I haven't confessed something, am I going to die? You know, the carelessness of the people here that, that he's describing, that was, de, that was to cause people to stop and think of the awfulness of sin. Notice what it says in Isaiah 53. He put him... Well, what was God's plan? He made his soul an offering for sin. I needed someone to pay my debt. The awfulness and the deceitfulness of sin is, oh, sin won't hurt you. You can do whatever you want. It doesn't matter. And the reality is, God says, oh, no. Jesus Christ, his soul was offered for sin. Right before that, it says, he put him to grief. This afternoon, I was reading a sermon by uh, Charles Spurgeon. And he was just spending some time talking about the idea of the fact, my grief, that Christ suffered the full amount to the full degree so that I can be free. This do remembering me, he did this because I deserved this. I deserved to be separated from the Father. I deserved the full measure of God's punishment. Never has a believer died when underneath weren't the everlasting arms. 
The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. Do you know when Jesus died, there were no arms to catch him? As I pondered that, you know, even the unsaved people today enjoy the goodnesses of God. Yet for those three hours from noon to three, those total six hours, but from noon to three when the sun was blotted out, Jesus Christ took the full measure. He drained the full cup of God's wrath. He took our punishment totally. Spurgeon said, Jesus did not spend eternity in eternal fire, but God poured upon him grief so hard that it was valid payment for even an eternity of fire. The scriptures say, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He took it all until the black cloud had emptied itself completely so that we would never have to be punished. You know, that's an important thing to be remembered. It's so easy to put the fear into the Lord's Supper that we miss the love of the Lord and we miss the awfulness and the deceptiveness of sin. I believe when he said, this do in remembrance of me, this do remembering the entire punishment was paid. You know, there's, the Christian life doesn't begin by good deeds. Keeping the golden rule. Being kind to your neighbor, making meals for the sick. Jesus was saying, I don't want you to remember my miracles. I don't want you to, to be thinking, to be focusing on my sermons. Jesus was saying, I want you to remember that your sins have been paid for. The shedding of blood begins that which God could forgive us. The sacrifices in the Old Testament were used for us to see the purpose of Christ's death. He was wounded for our transgressions. Communion not only reminds the Christian that our life began by God's love at the cross because of the deceptiveness of sin, but then we learn in John 6, he's everything that we need. He says, this do remembering that he provided all you need for daily living. So for those of us who have received Christ as our Savior, as we go forward, and tomorrow we're feeling the stress and the pressures of life, he wants us to remember, I'm the bread of life. I'm everything you need. In, it's only in Christ that we are sufficient. It's only in Christ that we have strength. Colossians 1 says, Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. The next thing I just want to remind you, this do remembering that the best is yet to come. I think Albert was the one this evening that mentioned, remember he's coming again. 
The best is yet to come. As oft as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. In Scotland, when they were going through a period of turmoil, when the king and the prince had been driven from the country, the Jacobites would meet each other on the mountain paths of their native land. And whenever they would meet, they would never sit down to hold a conference. They would never sit down for counsel without pledging the return of the monarch. You know, that's exactly what it reminds us of. When we get together, we're saying, till Jesus comes. He's coming again. He's coming again. We're not left here. This is, this is an exciting time. We are living, waiting for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. We remember he not only died, but as Cindy mentioned, that he's risen again. Acts 2.24 tells us that Christ could not be held by death. Low in the grave he lay, Jesus my Savior. Waiting the coming day, Jesus my Lord. Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph for his foes. He arose the victor from the dark domain and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose. He arose. Hallelujah, Christ arose. Communion reminds us that there is hope for today till he come. We get tired of the crookedness, of the dishonesty, of the cheating, of the double talk, of the promises that can never be fulfilled. The only hope, but the hope that we have is that Jesus is coming again. The symbols of communion remind us when, when on Sunday, when you see us take the little cups of grape juice, which remind us of Jesus' shed blood. When you see that unleavened bread, which is broken, it reminds us of his broken body. Let it remind you, God loves you. There was no other reason for him to do that. It reminds you that sin is so awful, sin is so deceptive, that there was only one way you could be saved. It reminds you that your entire punishment was paid. As we partake together, there ought to be this, this thought in your heart, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, dear Heavenly Father. Because it was the Father's plan. It was the Son who came. It's the Holy Spirit who draws us. God loves you. Don't ever forget that. And don't think that it's only when you get good enough that God's going to love you because we're never good enough for God to love us. God loves us in spite of our sin while we're yet sinners. The best is yet to come. Roger Rose, as a child, saw his brother fatally injured in an accident. They lived out in the country, rarely saw a car coming by, yet one day when Roger's brother was riding his bike, he went to cross the road and a car came over the hill and hit him. Roger says as a child, 
the only time I really remember hearing my dad just sob and cry out. He writes, later, my dad picked up the mangled bike. He carried it to the barn and placed it in a spot that I didn't see very often. He said, Dad's terrible sorrow erased with the passing of time, but for many years, whenever he saw the bike, tears began streaming down his face. May each time that we partake of the Lord's Supper, may it remind us of his great love of the awfulness of sin, but that our sins were totally paid for. That he's provided everything we need to live today. And that he's coming again. Don't let the things around us so cloud our vision that we miss the blessing from the past, from the present from the future.